You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. I'm Victor Marks, and joining me is William Gallagher. You've trained me to expect something that sounds like a compliment, but possibly isn't. Uh, and I was waiting for it then, and I feel oddly left out now that you're just treating me normally. So, yeah, okay, yeah, so keep it up. <clears throat> I just want to point out that you are, in fact, left out, but are on the episode. So that's an interesting mix. It is. Nice, I'm nice call on that juxtaposition, deep. yeah. Yeah, hey, philosophy, an apple, what more do you want? No, really, what more do you want? Uh, a drink. Okay. Uh, I'll put the kettle on uh, while you say what, what's going on what's been happening well how's your iPad Pro feeling well a little worse for wear I suppose um, I don't think you're you're offering to replace it with anything are you so so I just skip over my little woes I'm not offering to replace it but how would you like one with three cameras can you go to four no uh, what is it available in blue? No. Then um, is it still an iPad Pro twenty uh, twenty nine uh, twelve point nine inch? All right, let me just tell you what it is because you're, you're guessing weird, and let's just go for it. So, twenty twenty eleven inch twelve point nine inch displays, same as the current generation. But internal differences. A time-of-flight 3D sensor scans the area in front of the camera and calculates distances between objects and the lens. Why would you want this? Faster focusing? Yes. I'm guessing. Yes. Oh, hey, all right. Yeah. yeah. And also to accurately determine position of items in augmented reality. Oh, I didn't think of that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's expected to see the first usage of an LCP soft board which is a liquid crystal polymer. Basically, we, we've had these printed circuit cards, and traditionally printed circuit cards are hard. They're stiff. And then we've yeah. also had FPCB, or flexible printed circuit card, right? And and those tend to be like ribbon cables, basically. Although sometimes those ribbon cables have chips soldered on in the middle. And that's that's another way of doing it. This LCP softboard is somewhere in between it. The board is soft, it's flexible, it can be used to connect these components together, working around the restrictions of these inflexible PCBs. And and solving some of the problems that flexible PCBs had in the past, like, you know, there's there's only so much in an old FPC that you can flex where you you before you break the circuit. Or there's... These things are soldered flat, but when they're curved or folded within a thing, they stretch the solder joints, and the solder joints strain and break eventually. You know, there there are choices here that haven't been optimal in the past, and so this is going to be interesting to see if it fixes these problems. Um, This is being made in preparation for use of the 5G modems in iPad Pro. 5G, of course, coming in 2021. Now, Apple has yet to put any of the two-lens cameras or even the three-lens cameras onto the tablets, and so we expect that to happen too. Um, you may even have just explained this, and it still hasn't got in my head. I don't understand why Apple would want a soft or flexible circuit board when it's going to be the size it needs to be and it'll fit into the slot it did before. Um, what's the advantage? Well, so there, there are a number of flexible printed circuits inside your iPhone, for example. And they 
in the past were around the Touch ID and around the camera and microphone and speakers and and um, all the bits up at the top end of the phone. And, and that's still true on, on your current iPhone. All of the Face ID area, all of those cameras and that speaker are flexible inside. But why? Well, because there are a number of things there and a number of connections there that all have to be made in a small amount of area and putting a hard circuit card in place would be a thicker thing and would be a challenge to fit in. Um, you know, trying to manipulate all of those into the front facing glass and the plastic molding for on the back side of the front facing glass requires a little bit of manipulation and in fact, a little bit of double-sided tape to hold them in place. And, um, so it, it's easy to put one side in and then fold the rest down kind of thing, assembly-wise, as opposed to having a wafer that if you press on it wrong, it breaks. All right. That makes sense. Okay. So smaller, easier, better. S smaller, like easier Apple, to install, so um, and ability to fit into a smaller space. Because, again, it, it can't take up that much surface area either. Okay. You know, those those things are folded in there pretty tight. And... Um, it's it's just a better way of assembling. Now, when they go to 5G modems, this is the kind of thing that's going to be a part of it. Again, though, I don't understand why particularly a 5G modem instead of a 4G one. Uh, so 5G is what we're calling gigabit cellular data. No, no, sorry. I don't mean why one wouldn't do it. I think what's physically the difference that would mean Apple needs or would benefit from changing from a, a hard board to a soft one in this well they need more location. space for the the chipsets and antennae and the rest of the bits okay all right that makes sense or they could just make thicker phones <laughs> we we've had thicker ipads in years past yes you, you know there there was the ipad 2 and then the ipad third generation which was called the new ipad um was fat and then, of course, by the iPad 4th generation where they put lightning on it, it was about the same size. And then after that, we got the Air, which became thin again. They should have called it the fat iPad. I mean, just a little callback to the old fat Mac. That would have been... Or, or uh, fat binaries when we had binaries that had both... Oh, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, see? Back in the day, the fat old day, yes. Mm. yes. Oh, fat, the file allocation table as well. There's yeah. history in this word. There is. Okay. Stop fat shaming me. <laughs> okay. So anyway, new iPads, which makes you happy. Uh, iPhone yeah. SE 2, we've talked about that in the past. It's going to be an A13 processor, 3 gig of RAM. It's probably about the same size as an iPhone 8, similar spec as an iPhone 8, but probably, you know, I'm hoping for not Touch ID just because I want everything to get on Face ID, but Touch ID would certainly make sense in terms of costs and things like that. Um, it It's going to be that more affordable phone but not the smaller phone probably this morning face id just suddenly stopped working for me at all and i was about to slept through the whole uh re-identifying going through the whole setup thing again when instead i just accidentally wiped the cleanse and suddenly it worked okay you know okay. i've i've known there are people that when they take a screenshot of their iphone they wipe the screen first it's completely nonsensical, but it's also an addictive <laughs> kind of habit, right? <laughs> okay, yes. Yeah. Now, I, I know you're waiting for the iPhone SE 2, and that makes a lot of sense. But the 
16-inch MacBook. Right? We've talked about 16-inch MacBook Pro before. And one of the things that's possible is that instead of the butterfly mechanism, it will switch to a new scissor mechanism. Will it be a new mechanism or is that actually code for switching back to the old system? Well, switching back to the old system would imply that it's the same type of scissor and the same design of scissor and maybe parts compatibility of the scissor. I would expect not. I would expect it to be arranged differently and formed differently, even if in practice it's similar. Just so that Apple can avoid being said to be going back, as I just said. Well, a little bit, although that's going to happen anyway by people who aren't as well informed as you and I. But I, I think that and, and it's a perfectly philosophical argument to make the function is the same it operates in theory the same therefore it's going back fine but apple's goals were always to have a thinner machine right and a thinner machine has in some ways meant less keyboard travel and less keyboard parts and so i would be willing to to entertain the idea that the scissors mechanism that they use is going to be one that accomplishes some of those goals even if it's not the same as butterfly Okay. I'm excited to see it, although I'm actually just personally less interested in the 16-inch uh, MacBook. I, I kind of fancy the 13. I've been using them out in Apple stores and things, and even the 15 just seems too big, which is considering... All right, well, let me, it? let me blow your mind a little bit, right? What if okay. the 16-inch occupies the same physical space as the 15? And, and what if you're... still th- be bigger than the 13. And your 13 could become a 14 and be the same size. Yeah, okay, I could live with that. Yes. What yes, I'm telling you... It wouldn't end up with me being interested in 16. Fair. What, what I'm saying is, if I, as I look at my 15-inch MacBook Pro currently, there's a goodly-sized black border all the way around that screen. And it doesn't have to be that way. It is possible with displays in this era to move them closer to the edge. You can get an almost nearly bezel-less display. I might be the only person who likes bezels, but, you know, they're familiar, comfortable. Uh, no, I'm, I'm They frame your work. They frame your work. I understand exactly. that. But I, I think more screen in the same size is a powerful argument. Yes, completely. And we expect that to happen in the first quarter of 2020. It's going to be a busy old year for Apple, isn't it? Always, always. What else do you think they could be working on? Oh, I know this one. AR glasses. Cool. Why? Well, it's a report from Industry Code. I kind of... Good. Oh. Why, why are they doing them? Why are they doing them? Oh, uh, to make money. Is that the wrong answer? Uh, it's, further, a, it's, it's a demoralizing answer. <laughs> <laughs> why are you doing this? To make money. Um, right. Yes. But what are you doing to, to move the intersection of arts and technology further? What are you doing to advance the way people interact with the world and interact with each other? What are you doing to ad- advance humanity? You know, th- and these are big questions, but... To which the answer is making the money come to Apple instead of to Oculus Rift or somebody. Yeah, well, I mean, Palmer Lucky has his own problems. There's there's absolutely truth that Palmer Lucky is is problematic, and there's absolutely truth that that Mark Zuckerberg is problematic. Um, but you see a bright, optimistic future for humanity in Apple's approach. Not necessarily, but I see a more benign future in Apple's approach. 
Oh, fair enough. I'll take that. Yeah. I mean, and, and of course, I should temper. I said absolutely problematic. Well, I, I think instead of saying absolutely problematic, I think it's reasonable to say that there are things about Palmer Lucky and Mark Zuckerberg that are debatable. That's probably a little more tempered. Wouldn't you agree? I would, but I should say I know nothing about this section at all. I'm conscious of what Apple's doing in AR, and I, I like the AR app that lets you tour the Statue of Liberty. But other than that, I have very little uh, knowledge about it all. Um, uh, okay, so, I mean, if if we're... If we're talking way out there stuff, right? Facebook wants to know where you are as much as it can and what you're doing as much as it can so that it can better target you. And Facebook has talked about putting cameras in your home through their portal stuff, and then they decided that didn't work. They were going to make one for the television as well. Right. Palmer Luckey started Oculus, which sold to Facebook. Palmer Luckey departed Facebook, and his new startup is about using drones to police people. Okay. And I think there's room for debate about whether or not that's a good use of technology. I was at a Royal Television Society event this week where one of the many things going on was demonstration of particular styles of drones for filming. So I'm pro-drone. Less pro being monitored by well, police every second drones are, are a wonderful tool for aerial photography. They're a wonderful tool if you need to monitor something from above and it's expensive to run an airplane for whatever reason, right? You know, there, there, there are uses, but Palmer Lucky's startup is specifically around policing and monitoring and, and that kind of thing. And he's interested in selling to governments. Okay, I well. think there's a reasonable debate about whether or not that's a great thing. But Apple's augmented reality is much more benign. Apple's augmented reality is so far going to be for things like Minecraft, where instead of it being a thing on your screen or a thing on your PC or a thing on your Xbox, it becomes a world in which you can really interact and build. I am going to wonder when as a first road accident is going to come because of this. Because you hear of people crashing cars because they were watching television. Yeah, uh, but you say that, but... CarPlay, especially iOS 13 CarPlay, and it's been doing this for a few years, but iOS 13 CarPlay exposes it much more, is the do not disturb while driving. Yes, but then you get, you just get a pop-up, don't you, when you try to do something saying, um, uh, the button that says, you can tap to say, I'm not driving, and oh, all right then, off it goes. And yeah. people will do it. I mean, <clears throat> I'm not saying I have or, 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 or would, but it's there. It, there, there have been people... Um, ticketed for using google glass while driving oh right okay is that a ticket for just embarrassment you know you're no that was that was wearing side. this thing on your head and therefore blocking your view now obviously google glass doesn't block your view but if you're looking up are you looking at the road is a question now it was it was probably being used for navigation because that's one of the things that google glass actually did do but um, but yeah they were ticketed Anyway, Actually, navigation sounds quite useful, but okay, yes. Anyway, Apple is doing. Well, that's, that's what CarPlay is useful for, or Android Auto, if you're of that uh, of that persuasion. So, Ming Chi Kuo, same guy you mentioned before, thinks that the AR glasses are beginning to be manufactured before end of 2019 and launched second quarter of 2020. Yes. 
does seem right to you. Uh, when I was thinking about it, it seemed like a really long time to have stock in trade. Uh, but actually, Michael Weatherly on Apple Insider have talked to me about this, and he's saying that's not that's a typical schedule for the iPhone that those begin manufacturing June July time. Yeah, absolutely. Just for some reason, it's. I think because well, it's let, over let's the talk year about break, what manufacturing. Let, let's talk about what manufacturing schedules are like, right? So, when you're making a device, you make several prototypes. And, and several test builds, right? And they're, they're engineering verification and design verification. Mm -hmm. And you're verifying that the enclosure works the way you think it's going to work. And you're verifying that the electron electronics work the way you think they're going to work. And then you verify that these things fit together. And you go through several rounds of making sure because you don't want to get to production and find out that nothing works. These things tend to be hand-built out of machine-made parts. But they aren't done on the manufacturing line. Then you have a pilot run, and the pilot run says we're going to run 50 or 200 or whatever small number it is on the actual manufacturing line to prove that they can be manufactured the way that we think they can. And so they do a pilot run, and then they test those pilots that are produced to, to verify that those function. Oh, actually, no, hang on. Sorry, I'm following this, and I like it, but I still didn't uh, the research note, the investor note, mm. actually say mass production starting soon. So presumably, they've gone through all of these. Yeah, I'm just laying it out. I'm ready. getting there. Okay. Right. So once you've done your pilot run, then you can turn on mass production. But in your first week or so of mass production, you're not up to full speed. Your, your first mm. mass production run, say you do 2,000 is probably running at about half efficiency because you're pulling units off partway through and testing those units and, and things are going a little slower. And then after that first however many, then you're up to full speed and, and off you go and you open up more lines and mass produce like like no end. Okay. So that's the road from beginning to end. And so you, you also have to count for shipping times, right? If you ship by plane, that's very, very expensive. If you ship by boat, then you can load these things and you can pay a lot less and get them landed, and that takes more time. So you have to account for another couple of three weeks for that. So working backwards from the day you want to deliver to the clearing customs to the, the shipping by boat tells you when you have to be in mass production. Okay, yes, and... This is then. This is now for these. Pretty much. It's interesting that it doesn't seem more than an hour ago that there was this story going around that Apple had actually cancelled the Glasses project. And, and it wasn't believed. Uh, there were no real grounds for it, but it was being talked about. Maybe what had happened was uh, just, oh, finish this one, send it off to production and on to the next. I mean, it would be very unusual for Apple to make it two years through development through pilot run, through to mass production, and then cancel. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can understand that it would happen, but yes, I, one wouldn't want it to, one wouldn't expect it to. I mean, I've, I've, when I was making products, I canceled them when we were still in the, uh, the, the engineering verification test and design verification test stages. Cool. We'd, we'd gone down a path. We'd started proving that things worked. We'd started proving that things were going to assemble the way we thought. And yeah, I stopped that train. I said, wait a minute, we need to talk about who's going to pay for this. We know what our costs look like before cost reduction. And even after cost reduction, we can guess. And the the use case doesn't make as much sense 
as we thought it did. Let's just stop doing this. We don't have to go to Pilot Run. It's a very unpopular move when you do that, but it's better than making a thing no one wants. Sure. No, I get that, yes. Um, hard to sometimes make that call. You don't know what people will want until they've got it. But Well, uh, the, the problem is that you need to think about the problems that people have. Right. What are what are the things that people are experiencing that are inconvenient or showstoppers for them? And what can you do to solve those? And are those things people are willing to pay to solve? Goodness, from there, I thought you were going to actually ask me to list my problems. Nope. And nope. I was mentally ready, but okay. To, we, the, the show is not that long. We can't do that. But Thanks. <laughs> you're welcome. The you know, visual voicemail. When I first saw the first iPhone and I saw that keynote, I knew that I had to have that phone because I knew visual voicemail was going to fix a lot of my use of phone. Mm. And that was the thing that made buying that phone worthwhile for me. I remember uh, much the same thing. I mean, there were other things I wanted, but yes, uh, hard to imagine leaving it behind, although I have uh, moved on to a carrier that didn't support it. So uh, I've had to... Right, right. But it, that, that, it's, it's, it was easy for me to identify immediately. That's why I had to have it and was willing to pay for it. And if you have misidentified, then it doesn't work. So that's that's what's difficult about augmented reality glasses is discussing what are the problems that people have that they're willing to pay for here? What, what does this thing solve? And we just don't know. Does it fit into the health ambition? Does it, does it fit into like memory where it can prompt me when I, when, when I ran to William and I completely space on your name and I'm like, you're that guy. I know you. I know you're that guy. And it will prompt me, oh, that's William Gallagher. Then I can say, oh, hey, William, it's good to see you again, right? And it reminds me where I know you from. So that kind of thing, augmented memory, would be a way of, of saying there's value here. You can, you can stop embarrassing yourself in social situations. Of course, now you're wearing glasses that are awkward, but never mind that. Presumably, Apple will solve the awkward part, but, but that's, that's kind of the thing, right? is okay. help people solve a problem that they know they have. I'm just sorry, This I'm flashing back to one of the Mission Impossible films that opens with someone's iPhone uh, bleeping and saying the person approaching you is an assassin and she's already shot and killed the person. But, you know, this is probably, that's a, um, an outlying case. It's not, yeah, not a little really bit. common. A little yeah. bit, yeah. Um, so that's, that's the news, is Apple is probably going to have this augmented reality headset second quarter 2020 i think it's interesting i do it is i'm curious to know whether that, how easily they will convince me that i want one because you know they'll do it they'll do it Good do you morning, have you got an apple watch well true true i'm very keen actually do you know, i realize i'm not wearing my apple watch this is the first time in several years i just didn't pick it up this morning wow that's how yeah. it starts Oh God! Does you don't it end with Android. You you pick it up. You don't pick it up one morning. You don't pick it up the next morning. The next thing you know, you're in Fitbit, and after that, you've got a Samsung Gear. Okay. <laughs> it's a downward spiral. It is. Right. Right. Okay. So I'm sure Samsung Gear is very good. I just the one Android phone I ever used was unimaginably awful. Um, so uh, actually, excuse me. I'm going to go get my phone. Can you just no, talk for a minute? No. Uh, fine. Masterclass lets you learn from the best with exclusive access to online classes taught by masters of their craft. You can learn how to do game design from Will Wright 
You can improve your photography skills from Annie Leibovitz, or even learn cooking from Gordon Ramsay. With over 60 different instructors across tons of categories, there's literally something from everyone. Now, what I, I thought was interesting is we've talked a lot about things like Apple Arcade and game stuff and, and, and stuff like this and experience of gaming on iPhone. And Will Wright discusses and teaches game design. And it's, it's really, really something, you know, there's, there's theory, there's design, there's gamification. There's really an art and a science to it. And Will Wright was behind SimCity and The Sims. So there's there's something beautiful about this. And I took the class, and of course, I, I wasn't really a game developer, but I learned a lot just on get a handle on, on how you conceive of these things. And, and sort of like we talked about problem solving for, for products, what's going to delight, what's going to engage, what's going to keep someone involved in a game, and what's going to be rewarding about a game. This was really something, and I'm, I'm so pleased I took this course. I highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every masterclass as well. And, and, and because you're an Apple Insider podcast listener, you get 15% off the annual All Access Pass. Go to masterclass.com slash Apple Insider. That's masterclass.com slash Apple Insider for 15% off masterclass. William? William? Hi, 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 sorry. Right, watch was further away than I thought. Did I, <laughs> Welcome I back. Did, did you upgrade to Catalina? Yes, I did. Catalina came out this week. How do you like it? Um, mostly, yes. I it feels a bit snappier. Think, good. But, S- yeah. Snappy. Yes, that's a good old way of describing Mac. Um, did you notice know anything about it? Did it ask you any questions after you updated? Yes, it asked me to enter my Apple ID many, many, many times. I hit some sort of keychain uh but i mean it was 30 a lot times of people have seen that yeah yeah so that's gone and also every time i launch an application it's going well now you know do you want to get notifications from this um i seem to be being asked a lot about this years and settle down. years okay. and years ago there was a a uh, an advertisement called mac versus pc security and it was featuring justin long and uh and john hodgman and I'll tell you the actor's name. Ah, Christopher Maloney. Christopher Maloney played the security specialist in, in that ad. And basically, he was dressed as a United States Secret Service-style bodyguard representing Vista's, Windows Vista's security feature. And basically, every time Mac tried to interact with PC, the guard intrusively demanded PC's decision to cancel or allow every incoming and outgoing interaction. Yes, I remember that. Mac day. is issuing yes. a salutation, cancel or allow. Oh, wow. Mac, so Mac would like saying, to know how you're doing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. And so I'm suggesting... Catalina is, is reaching the dizzying heights of Vista. A little bit. Okay. Is that, is that why you've not upgraded? No, I, I didn't upgrade because I don't want to upgrade before recording a podcast and have everything be problematic while trying to record a podcast. I see your point there. I can tell you, I had no problems with apps um, other than that login. Well, you know, there's, well, this is it's the death of 32-bit apps, right? You have to have a 64-bit application. And um, some of the applications that I use for producing this podcast are not. I don't want to oh, name and shame any at the moment. But it's, it's um, an issue. And it's an issue for Adobe users as well. Lightroom and Photoshop aren't updated. Whoops. Oh, well, that's okay. I don't use either of those. 
Okay. So, yeah, but if you do, you'd realize you know, Adobe had a year to figure this thing out. Yeah. Well, they've been busy putting Photoshop on the iPad, haven't they? They have, they have. But Catalina's not been without its own flaws, like you noted a keychain bug. Um, and they've moved Catalina iCloud folder sharing to spring of 2020. Oh, yes. I was really unhappy with that. But I have a project coming up where I actually thought, I'll wait for that. I'll, I'll do it in Catalina because that's going to be so handy for so many things. And now I'm going to have to use Dropbox. Um, yeah. Or, uh, or Google Drive. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah, Google Drive, yeah. yeah. Yes. Office 365, whatever they've named so, their sharing now. Okay, there are limits. All right. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> everybody else has folder sharing. But like, I remember I've actually written on Apple Insider before about how it's the big emission. It's one of those that's so big, you think, no, I've got this wrong. I'm just not knowing how to do it. So yeah, yeah so many so, people to check. I, I saw a tweet from a fellow that I've known for a few years now. Gosh, I've, I've been chatting with him off and on for the past uh, 15 years, maybe a little more. 17 years, actually. And he used to work at Apple uh, on the QuickTime team. And what he said was that the, uh, the, the, the x.x.1 release is just so that the new thingy has something. Right, the x.x.2 release fixes what Apple employees found wrong. The x.x.3 patches what external developers found. The x.x.4 release fixes the urgent things actual customers reported, and x.x.5 is when it's actually stable for use. <laughs> okay. Hmm. There's no way for me to downgrade, is there, to Mojave? Uh. I have done downgrades in the past, and they are not necessarily easy. Okay. I think I'll live with it. Although, actually, um, I have a keyboard maestro uh, script that changes the wallpaper from the one I use just as myself to one that has the macOS backdrop. You know, if I'm taking screenshots, I want it to look like, you know, the machine it's on. And because of that, I've still got uh, the Mojave desktop, and I keyed it up by accident the other day, hmm. and it looks so old that sand dune thing well, it's been it around so for a while. modern yeah yeah but how does that how does apple do this make things look oh how passe I, I i used to maintain a folder of all of the desktops going back to uh mac os 9.1 well and why did you stop that sounds great it was it was a lot of fun but i just realized i wasn't using them so i kind of stopped doing it i take a screen grab every now and again on my iphone uh, screen the home page uh, so I have now what 12 years of home pages and that's quite interesting actually seeing the changes evolution over time yeah. yeah so this inability to share folders is a significant failing in iCloud Drive compared to services like Dropbox or Microsoft's OneDrive which I think you noted I think you said that OneDrive yes yeah yes have you used Sidecard with your Mac Yes, actually. Um, I didn't expect to because my iPads, I have an original 12.9-inch one. It's very old, and I suppose I should have known it was on the list, but I didn't think about it, and it was... So I happened to switch it on to try something, and it works straight away, really quickly, very easily. Um, but I'm there's a limitation, a right? I mean, you, you, you have to have a Mac that's newer than 2014 or so to, to be able to do it. Like a 2015 MacBook Pro can do it. 2014 need not apply. Is that right? I believe so. It needs to be a Skylake uh, processor. I know it says Skylake processor there. I don't know why. Uh, or later. Has to have a, the Mac has to have a USB-C um, connector and actually built in, not 
yeah, via any kind of adapter. Well, thing. the 2015 MacBook Pro, I think, doesn't have does not have the USB C, but it does barely just qualify for the processor part. I think. Oh right. Okay. Have we'll have to check that, that compatibility that list, thought? but basically, newer Macs will work. And yes. the point of it is that you you use your iPad as a secondary display for Mac OS and can actually interact with the Apple Pencil. Is that right? Yes. Which Fun is times. Weirdly wrong. It just seems wrong in a delicious way. There's Catalina on your iPad. It's it's nice. I find it a bit frustrating though. The thing with the pencil, I just assumed. It was pencil compatible because people would be drawing on it. Fine. But um, most of the things you do on the iPad require the pencil. And confusingly, I think you can tap certain things you know, on the sidebar of controls and the, the touch bar like thing. But if you try to tap, well, no, you can scroll in Safari on it. So there are some finger gestures, but most of it has to be pen based. And I find that a little frustrating, actually, having to forever pick up and put down the pen. So the pen acts as your mouse. Yes. I mean, I, I shouldn't complain because it's not meant to be putting Mac on uh, your iPad. It's meant to be an extension of your Mac's keep, uh, desktop. So you're working on the Mac, you have the keyboard, you have the trackpad, that'll all work. It's just I found it slightly disorientating trying to remember what I could or couldn't do with my fingers yeah. on the iPad. I mean, but see, the speed. For years, the, people have wanted a, a Wacom tablet kind of thing or wanted the Mac to become a, a tablet oriented thing. And, and this seems like sort of a way of getting there. Yeah, I'm not sure what I think about uh, touchscreen Macs. Um, I have a friend who uses a PC, I can't remember which sort, uh, that has a touchscreen. And w when she is using it, it seems, you know, to make sense a little bit. But then she goes to another machine and it isn't. She's banging away. Years, years and years and years ago, there was a guy who'd taken the white MacBook, the original 2005-ish yeah. era kind of MacBook, and made a, a new screen housing for it with a Wacom touch layer on top and flipped it over and turned it into a true tablet machine. Like, completely removed the keyboard and it got thicker in the process. And you could use the Mac as a touchscreen with a pen back then. But it it was it was weird. So this has been a dream or a design goal or, or a wish for a long time. And it generally focuses around artists, which makes the pencil make a lot of sense. But it's... Um, it's interesting to see what uses and problems that solves. I've got this distant, distant memory of Apple themselves doing something with a, a PowerBook a long time ago. It never went to market, but it, w it was some sort of pen. Now I've got I just got this image in my head from some court case filings where screens were shown. But uh, sorry, that's useless to you. It's gone. Yeah. Google vague Apple thing. See what you get. Whatever. I've been using ExpressVPN for over a month now, and it's an incredibly reliable way to make sure that my network data is secure without slowing down my internet speed. William, do you use a VPN? Not consistently. I oh. have done on and off when I've been out, and I'm, I'm planning a, a trip next year, a long trip away, and I will definitely be doing it then. Uh, every time you, you travel, every time you use Wi-Fi in a public environment, you're, you're sending data over an open network with no encryption at all. And that means it's exposing your information to the rest of that network, that shared network. Now, even if it's doing client isolation, it, it's possible for hackers to bypass Wi-Fi security, steal your information. There, there are flaws. They can be exploited. So using a VPN secures that. 
And the best way to ensure that all your data is encrypted and can't be read by hackers is by using ExpressVPN. All you need to do is download the ExpressVPN app on your computer or smartphone and use the internet as you normally would. You just click one button in the ExpressVPN app to secure 100% of your network data. And I, I do this when I'm traveling all the time. ExpressVPN is the fastest and most reliable, and they're, they're recommended as the number one VPN provider by review sites like TechRadar and CNET. ExpressVPN is a company that takes privacy and security to the next level. They invented a technology called Trusted Server to ensure that VPN servers run from RAM and no data logs are written to a server's hard drive, even by accident. If you want the best in online security and privacy protection, go to expressvpn.com slash appleinsider for three extra months free with a one-year package. Protect your internet today with the VPN I trust to keep my data safe. Go to expressvpn.com slash appleinsider to get started. William. Yes. William. Yes. Apple's really good at recycling, right? Oh, I mean, yes, uh, definitely. Um, there's, I'm, I'm suddenly wary when you ask it like this, but yeah, pretty. I mean, they'll only pay you tuppence when you try to recycle something through them, but yeah, for the planet, they're pretty good, in, aren't they? In general, no? they're really effective at it, I would think. You know, they're, they they have these robots to take apart iPhones and they take other people's equipment and disassemble it, and they're 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 doing a good thing with that, right? Absolutely, yes. Are they? Why am well, I doubting suddenly? Well, so Amber wrote on, on Apple Insider about the Environmental Responsibility Report covering fiscal year 2018. And besides all of, of that recycling of devices, they are trying to, to be more responsible and mitigate the environmental damage that comes with manufacturing consumer electronics. So they are... are trying to be responsible about how they manufacture, how they dispose of, and, and things like this, right? You know, for example, Greenpeace gave Apple a rating of B-, where Huawei got a D or Samsung got a D-. And, and Amber says the problem lies in the quantity of devices that are manufactured. You know, 1.5 billion smartphones are produced every year. And a portion of those are Apple's, but Apple, of course, can't account for anyone else making them. There's environmental damage that has to be reduced, and, and basically for that to be done, all electronics producers need to start adopting less damaging practices. Now, Apple gets a lot of praise, and rightfully so, for mitigating that damage done to the environment that comes with electronics manufacturing. But just, you know, they, they aren't alone in this. Just beating the competitors and just being better isn't exactly enough. It also helps if these other competitors get on board too. So whether that means renewable sourcing of electricity or switching to energy efficient appliances or reducing manufacturing waste or all of those kinds of things, um, it's it's better to adopt those things than to wait to be punished or fined for them, basically. Yes. Apple has stopped really using plastics in packaging. You know, it used to be that there would be the box, the outer cardboard box, and then inside would be a thermoformed layer of plastic that the device would rest in, and then below that, a plastic shell that all the, the charger and cables and bits would rest in. And those have been phased out for fiber alternatives. Oh, that's sad, and that's, but it's quite a while. I'm, uh, I know I bought a new Mac Mini this year. I, I cannot remember what it was like. I was mm -hmm. too excited, frankly. Um, yep. Okay, oh, But I would have spotted fiber instead of plastic. Even that. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, there's there's renewable energy. Apple does most of its electricity off of solar. They've they've tried to be completely solar as best they can. Uh, you know, obviously, you and I can't go ahead and and just install solar on a whim. It's an expense. But there are uh, places on electric bills where we can opt in for re- receiving renewable energy benefits, things like that. Where you know you check that box, you pay your bill, and part of the bill funds research and development for projects in the area to to be renewable energy. Yes, um, that must be a U.S. Uh, it's a U.S. primarily U.S. thing. You have other alternatives in the U.K. I'm aware true. of that. Why would somebody not tick to have part of their bill go to? Um, do this? Does it? Yeah, it sounds like it doesn't increase the bill. So, well, part part of it is is finding that place to ticket. It's not necessarily ticked by default. If you do online bill pay, it's never going to happen. So there are a lot of reasons why that might fall through the cracks. Hmm. Hmm. But great that it's there. Okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, Apple, on the other hand, they can go ahead and build solar and wind farms. They can they can do all these kinds. Of, they can put solar panels right on the corporate roofs of their corporate offices. And by doing that, they've managed to source 99% of their electricity from renewable resources. That's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> They've also prevented a lot of waste from going into landfills. So they're they're doing really good about that. However, and this is aside from the environmental report, uh, the Washington Post ran a piece today about how AirPods are basically a uh, not very environmental product. My beloved AirPods. What have they got against them? Are are you using AirPods two or AirPods one? Uh, two. Right. What happened to one? I'm looking at them on my shelves now where I, I, I longingly occasionally put them out whenever the battery's gone and I've forgotten to recharge the two. Uh-huh. And did the battery life on your one decrease at all? Yeah, somewhat, yes. It's about yeah. a quarter of the length it was. Right. So the batteries in those things are not replaceable. No. They're not serviceable. They weren't designed to be serviceable. And... In fact, to open them up, you have to use basically a sonic knife, a vibrating knife, to cut the side of the iPad stem to get in there to get at the battery. So basically, you destroy them by trying to service them. Okay, well, I'm glad you added that last bit before I started with my my sonic uh, lance thing there. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, that was close. So basically, they're they're designed that we, we know that lithium ion batteries fail. And so AirPods have a lifespan of about two years. They just die, yeah. born to die. Yes. The Samsung wireless headphones, for example, mm-hmm. have a battery that can be serviced. Samsung doesn't offer any service for it, but it's possible. Okay, so that's good, one would think. Well, Is servicing so, really just replacing with another battery and still chucking away the old one? Not sure. No idea, but I'm just saying that, that it's designed so that ne- not necessarily does the device have to go into the landfill. Oh, okay. Well, then that's, that's, that's good. Yes. Right? So this is, this is part of the problem, is that besides all of these wonderful things that Apple can do and is doing to do better, that sometimes the products are still designed in ways that aren't, aren't um, intended to have the, let the product have a longer lifespan. Hmm. I must admit, I mean, I should have known this, but I was disappointed uh, with the first AirPods and how they went down. And I got to the stage where I knew I wanted the, the second one, uh, AirPods 2, but it was such a big expense, it was so hard to justify. And in the end, I did. I found a way to persuade myself, and I'm very glad. I instantly loved them. Um, but, you know, 
in two years well we're how long have they been out now uh, are we uh, we are talking about airpods 3 quite mm. a lot that will be a difficult thing to stomach right so but, what 200 pounds every couple of years yes and old ones that aren't repairable yep or serviceable or even refurbishable by apple Mm. It's it's problematic. I mean, I guess it's good that they can recycle them, but a lot of people don't. A lot of people chuck them, right? I don't even know. Oh, I suppose you're taking back to Apple, don't you? Apple will recycle. Yeah. Uh, things. That's a. Hmm. I find the idea of just throwing them away uh, hard, even with uh, what about an hour, maybe ninety minutes of battery life, they still work. The ones I just like the sound of the twos, mm-hmm. and obviously their length a lot yeah better so these are things that we have to keep in mind especially as as products are being designed is what's the future of these products i i have my battery in my macbook has failed i have a neighbor who has the same macbook and i replaced the battery in his the other day and you have to strip every single part out of the macbook to do it basically the screen and the keyboard can stay on but the and the trackpad can stay in but the logic board has to come out the the um port board has to come out the power board has to come out everything comes out so that you can then use a solvent to unglue the battery <laughs> from the inside of the machine so that's job creation though a little bit from apple yeah. a little bit i made a hundred bucks changing a battery but uh it's it's a nightmare that that and, and that's a serviceable product although it involves the use of solvents and everything has to come out you know, AirPods, you destroy them trying to do it. Have you ever serviced uh, an iMac and had to take that screen off? Uh, I have. I have. I have, in fact, my so my first Mac was a PowerBook that I built from parts. And my second Mac was an iMac where the display board had died. And I used the VGA output on it. The display board and the power supply had died. And I, I made an adapter card to adapt a PC power supply. And I used VGA off of the board to use another monitor. So I had an iMac sitting below my desk running a monitor on top of my desk. (laughs) And the beautiful thing about that, besides looking a little clunky, was that the iMac could drive much higher resolutions on a secondary display than it could on its built-in display. The built-in display was 1024 by 768. I was able to drive 1600 by 1200. So, yeah, I've been working on IMAX a long time. Right. Yeah, so you've got the scars to prove it. This is what you're saying. I am I'm hearing you. Well, and those old G3 IMAX, Apple said that they could only take uh, 128 meg RAM or 256 meg RAM using two 128 modules. And I. What do Apple know about their own hardware? I, I put 512 meg in. Okay. And it Which works, made, so well, it, it made them run OS 10 10.0 really well, or at least as well <laughs> as 10.0 could run back that in the days. Cool. Which one was 10.0? Oh, you mean way, way back the original? The original. One they didn't have. Well, no, no, they had. They had. Jaguar. I think it was Puma. I think it was Puma. Puma. Right. It was. It was either yes. Lynx or Puma. It was one of those. Honestly, it amazes me how long it's been since we had cat names. It's like six years now or something, isn't it? Yeah, it has. Yeah. Well, tell you what. Next week when we come back, you'll have a list of all of the cat names. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we will recite them as poetry on the Apple Insider podcast. 
Yeah, do you want them in uh, chronological or alphabetical order? I leave uh, it to you, sir. I leave it to you. I'm leaning towards the Dewey Decimal System. Try, try and form them into lines that match haiku syllables. Okay, definitely going to do that. Yes. Yeah, all right. Oh, just watch me. <laughs> Where can people find you on the internet, William? Uh, oh, I was going to tell you, I was going to be in Hull doing research, but on the internet, I will be on Twitter as uh, W Gallagher and on email as William at AppleInsider.com. What about you? I'm V Marks on Twitter. I'm Victor at AppleInsider.com. I will see you next week, and I hope to see all of you back. It's been so much fun. 